and welcome to the Everyday Niner Fan Podcast. My name is Jeremy. I am joined by the man who puts the diamond in Diamante. Contrary to popular belief, this is not the every other week Niners podcast. It is the Everyday Niner Podcast. But life gets in the way sometimes. Life gets in the way sometimes. In fact, we're recording on a Friday instead of a Thursday. What is this? Because I had to get a new toilet yesterday. Right. And uh, we didn't record last week because I was having issues in my life. But uh, but here we are. Yeah, we're all better now. What's going on? Um, Nothing. Super excited to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Feels like, you know, we're in, we're in that year where a, a couple weeks can feel like a couple of years, so. It's also really weird to be so, like, joyful after a loss, but yeah. I don't even care. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to be back, happy to be back to normal, like, let's get it. Absolutely. Let's dive into uh, this 49er Saints game, of course, and again, a 27-13 to 13 loss. What would you say your feelings about that encompass are you super bummed i know it started like 10 to nothing pretty quick and we were like oh this could be like a surprise dub and then uh the wheels fell off a little bit but they fell off so slowly yeah it was like a shack fall like (laughs) (laughs) like the first the first like the first quarter of the game was like perfect everything went like it needed to go for the underdog dub to happen but then everything just like slowly started falling apart and like everybody in the world who watched it knew it was happening but we just couldn't avoid it like kyle shanahan knew it was happening and he's just like i can't stop this yeah so yeah it started with with 10 unanswered points by the 49ers and then the saints got like 17 unanswered you know, three points in the in the second half, not gonna get it done. That is not the way, especially not when you possess the ball for essentially the whole first quarter. Yeah, like no, that, that that's what I mean. Like that first drive, uh, I know myself and most of 49ers Twitter was like, "What? Here we go!" And then just it was it was exhausting to watch after that. You're just like, up. Oh. There it is. There it is. Just yeah. like insult to injury. Yeah. So so where do you want to start as far as like the I don't want to say the blame game, but obviously there were a few factors that that were killer. Yeah. Uh I mean like the most obvious blame is just we this isn't the 49ers team. Sure. Like this is a second week of the preseason roster. So there's that. Yeah. I think it's it's hard to look at this game and and not say that special teams were were absolute killer. Yeah. So what in the what world was going on? Um a, a whole lot of muff punts. Yeah. Is uh what was going on. We saw uh Trent Taylor make a boneheaded move and not catch that first punt like what are you doing boss like unless unless you think that thing's going into the end zone you gotta catch that yeah uh so he he doesn't catch the punt and then i guess he doesn't like 
yell, get the fuck out of the way mm-hmm. loudly enough. Because then um, some player I've never fucking heard of, 40, I think his last name is Webster. He gets in the way, ball bounces off his helmet, which makes it a live ball. That's a turnover. Yep. Mm. You and then to see it. And then Richie James, I think, had the... Yeah. And that one was... Just muffed. Yeah. Like, it was Kyle Williams all over again. Um, I don't know what went wrong. Like, oh, actually, let me take that back. I was going back uh, to my first... Like, you know it's bad when you can't yell, get the fuck out of the way loud enough in a stadium where there are no fans. Right. Like... That's been one of the weird things about the NFL this season is that there aren't any fans. Yeah, so you like, can hear everything you can, on the field. And you can hear on the TV, you can hear players oh, yeah. talking. Oh, yeah. So, like, to be out there where there there's no fanfare and there's no outside noise coming in, really, to not, like, yell loud enough to get everybody the fuck out of the way. Like, what's really going on? Right. Anyway, back to the second muff. I don't know what went wrong for Richie James. Like, you can see on the replay, like, he's in position, his hands are up. He looks it in. He just fucking drops it. Yep. For whatever reason. Reasons I'll never understand. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is another one of those situations where if we had any semblance of a roster, Richie James might have got cut that game. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, we know how Shanahan is. Like, once you once you fuck up, it's hard to unfuck up. Mm-hmm. So, luckily... Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have that luxury. Right. Days. It's out of his hands, and he's going to have to figure out a role for Richie James... Uh, for at least the rest of the season. Yeah, and then but on the other side of the ball, um, special teams was okay. They, I think they forced a, a fumble on a punt. Yeah, uh, we're we're generally pretty well after it. I know they they gave up one long run. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I was watching. I was watching the film on that, and uh, Mitch Wisnowski. What are you doing, boss? Uh, you know, we we saw him level. We've seen him level at least one kick returner. And we're like, oh, shit. This guy's the, the truth. Yeah. Um, but it feels like one of those, like, WWE moments where, like, Goldberg accidentally spears, like, his tag team partner. Because on that kick return, he fucking levels Jimmy Ward, bro. <laughs> like, Jimmy Ward's closing. Wisnowski's closing. Bang. Yeah. Collision. And that's how, what's his nuts, skates for 75 yards or whatever. Right, yeah. Mm. Let's talk about Nick Mullins. Let's talk about Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins went uh, 24 for 38. Okay. 247, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Two INTs. Um, you were talking before the show that, that maybe the, the stats don't quite... Don't quite tell the whole story with with Nick Mullins. I don't know. Maybe they don't, but like maybe they do. I don't know. Um, I was like, we were going. You mentioned his stats just now. I was like, what? What the? What the fuck was his touchdown pass? And it was that. Um, it was that outside that little like pass to the flat to Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wide open touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I remember the broadcast guy like fucking beside himself talking about how amazing that disco motion was like they had brandon i motion and then motion again and it made it impossible for uh his guy in man coverage to follow and he was just out there in the flat with nobody around easy dump off <laughs> touchdown um 
yeah, it was it was a Nick Mullins game. This is exactly how you expect a backup quarterback to to handle it. Yeah, like um, let's talk about the interceptions. Okay, hell yeah, let's do it. So the first interception to the untrained eye. It just looks like it's Nick a Jimmy Mullen. throw. It's like you just threw that ball directly at an yeah. overhang defender. Like what gives? Like you, you almost think Nick Mullins looked down afterwards and was like, "Oh, we're not wearing black today." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> that wasn't Brandon. Damn it. <laughs> what happened? It was, what, what leads to a situation like that? It was a uh, like a feeble attempt at like a hail Murray. <laughs> Nick <laughs> Mullins is like, I don't know. I it's down there somewhere. Yeah. Whoop. Like, no. Uh, okay, so I was taking a look at it, and um, one of the things that people have been uh, complimentary of our defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, uh, for is, like, simulated pressure, where he makes it look like it's a blitz, but um, the guys that are, like, identified as potential blitzers, like, bail out into coverage last second. And what that does is like it fucks <laughs> it, it fucks with uh the quarterback's mind right because he thinks he's being blitzed so he goes into like reflex mode how quarterbacks are taught to deal with blitzes but in reality they're they're not blitzing so um what happened is they had malcolm jenkins right up on the line of scrimmage like he was going to blitz and um right at the snap malcolm takes like that first step forward, like he's going to rush the passer, but then immediately bails out into coverage. But that's all it takes to trigger like quarterback mind into thinking, oh, shit, I'm being blitzed. And you can tell it because Nick Mullins is doing what you tell quarterbacks to do when they're being blitzed, like throw the ball wherever the blitzer just came from. Yep. Right. So what he does is, uh, yeah, he throws to the area that he thinks Malcolm Jenkins just vacated, but... As Malcolm, it turns out. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins says, just return to yeah, that area. He, he had not. He had just gone to the gas station real quick. He's right back home. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Um, and that is, and that's why Nick Mullins is a backup quarterback. Because, like, he didn't recognize what was going on fast enough to not throw that ball directly at Malcolm Jenkins. Right. And if we're going to throw a little shade... Unfortunately, that's exactly what our current starting quarterback does as well. That's exactly the type of shit that we see Jimmy Garoppolo do. Yeah. Like, that's a Jimmy throw. So, uh, yeah, I I don't mind it. Like, you can, you can see him trying to do what he's been taught to do as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he just didn't, he just got fooled. He got fooled. He got flim flammed. Yeah. Bamboozled. Hoodwinked. Tricked. Led astray. And run amok. And then interception two was, you know, trying to save the game. Yeah. Make that make that throw to the end zone. And I think both of those interceptions highlight why Nick Mullins isn't a starting quarterback. Right? They they highlight sort of his weaknesses. The first one was that he wasn't able to process the defense in time to figure out what was actually going on. And then the second interception, um, I believe it was to Kendrick Bourne. It was the intended target. Yeah. Was Kendrick Bourne. It was in the end zone. I think they were like one or two yards deep in the end zone. Yeah. But uh, when I took a second look at it, I'm like, there's nobody behind those guys. 
Nope. So he puts that ball beyond. Right. If he throws that towards the back of the end zone, he may be able to throw it over that defender's head and mm-hmm. give Kendrick Bourne like a chance to make a play on it. Now, you know, KB's not an elite receiver, but he is the tallest receiver on the team. I think he's like 6'3". So, like, he does have some jump ball ability. And we saw him earlier in the game fight for the football and come down with it. So, if you can put that ball behind them and give him a chance to make a play on it, maybe that's six. But Nick Mullins just ekes it out there, puts it up for grabs. You can't throw short when the defender has, like, front side leverage, when he's in front of your receiver. You can't, you can't do that. Yep. So... Not not a good look. Not a good look. Before we move on from quarterback play, there was another quarterback for the 49ers in this game. For one play. One play only. CJ Bethard. Bethard. What do you make of that decision? Uh, Especially, well, knowing the outcome. It's easy to say now. Right. Like, I'm not surprised. Like, we know Nick Mullins doesn't have a very strong throwing arm. Um, We thought... C.J. Beathard had a very strong throwing arm. They brought him in specifically to throw a deep pass. And uh, and um, didn't work out. Right. The way that that pass was still underthrown determined that was a lie. Yeah, that was so weird. Like, And I was looking. I was like, I was trying to make an excuse for C.J. Beathard. I was like, he's got a lively arm. What's really going on? And I looked at the play. I'm like, no. He has to like shuffle to his left a little bit, but he sets his feet. He's not hitting his throwing motion. Like That's a complete throw. And he just underthrows it. And it wasn't like we weren't asking him to throw some like Josh Allen sixty-five yard in the air dot. Right. Like that's I mean, like, it's still an incredible athletic feat, but that's a throw that like an above average NFL arm should be able to to, to make. Yeah. So maybe he looked down and was like, Oh, we're not wearing black today. Because oh. that was an interception worthy ball that got dropped. Right. Um I'm pretty sure uh cj bethard just had his throw power uh docked three points in madden <laughs> from one play yeah and probably deserves it right it made the same sound as uh when squidward was blowing bubbles and they like i watched that episode last Boom. week that's the one because it's early season one and i just started watching season one of spongebob squarepants with my daughter straight up uh quack before we move <laughs> Off of quarterbacks, uh, I know I just spent some time like going in on Nick Mullins, but I do want to give him a little bit of credit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he got abused in this game. Yeah, that's what I was when when I said maybe the stats lie. Yeah, yeah, you don't see right. Um, so what I saw was uh, I I know like on Twitter. Folks were talking a lot about how, like, the interior offensive line played poorly. And I don't necessarily agree. I don't think they played great, but I don't think that they played poorly either. However, what I did see is that um, you can't have any of the running backs on this roster right now in pass protection. Yeah. Um, I saw... Both of the running backs, Jamichael Hasty, before he broke his collarbone, and Jarek McKinnon, get straight fucking blown up by linebackers on blitzes. Like, there's nothing you can do as a quarterback at that point. Yep. Like, if you're getting immediate pressure 
by a linebacker because he just ran the fuck over a running back in pass protection. There's nothing you can... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Eat it. That's it. So, mm. I just wanted to to let that be known. Uh, because, right, it you don't see it in like on the TV when you're watching the game. But if you go back and look, like... Uh, I don't remember who it was he blew up, but I was watching like Demario Davis just fucking level whatever running back was in at Passport. Mm-hmm. It's like he never stood a chance. Never stood a chance. Nine one one. Get Nick Mullins out of there. Yeah, speaking of the running backs, uh not a great showing for anyone. Jarek McKinnon, by virtue of Jamichael Hasty breaking the hell out of his collarbone. Yeah. Really, by virtue of, of a lot of, of, of thinning of the herd of running back, uh, got 18 carries and went all of 33 yards for an average of 1.8 yards a carry. Yeah, that's about 10 more touches than you want to see from Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Because like, he's not a workhorse. No, he is a third down back. Yeah. Like, excels in the passing. You game. want him in that like 8 to 10 carry range and you want him to catch fucking four or five passes a game. You don't want to lean on that guy heavily, especially not on those tired-ass legs. Yeah. Like, Jarek McKinnon does not have the juice. I don't know if it's permanent or if it's just because, like, he hasn't played any football in two years, but he is not running with any sort of pop. Mm-hmm. So, you hate to see it. So, looking at this at this running back core... Who is it? <laughs> well, uh... Well, Jarek McKinnon. And then I think, like, Austin Walters. Yes, I was going to bring him up because uh, he had that one, like, really nice catch and run. Yeah, on a screen pass, for it sure. Like, took it, like, 27 yards, but I don't think that he got called upon much in the no. in the running game. And I felt really bad because, like, I watched that, that play. And I was like, well, that's a good play. But, like, I wasn't hype. Like, I was like, oh, that's just because they don't know this guy. Yeah. Right. Like the defense doesn't know his his play style. They don't know how to defend him because I don't know if he's ever been in an NFL game before. Yeah. So it's like, that's great. Like, I'm glad that you were able to make that catch and like make a move. But I, I think a lot of that is like just because defenses don't really have tape on you and they don't really know what your tendencies are. So obviously it's been kind of a revolving door at running back this mm-hmm. season looking forward long term yeah who do you think has a spot on the roster say opening day 2021 oh i mean uh raheem Mostert's a lock he's in uh it sucks to see him on the bench so often yeah starting to starting to get a little old for sure um do you think jarek mckinnon has a spot on the roster next year I think so. Because, I mean, like, right now they're paying him, like, the vet minimum salary. Which I think is, like, a million bucks. Right. They're paying him next to nothing. So, I think it'll be dependent on that. Like, I I don't think he has any leverage in the offseason. Like, he can't be like, if you guys don't want to pony up, I'll take my talents elsewhere. Because, so far, like, we're not impressed, bro. Yeah. Um, so I think if they can bring him back on another, like, super cheap deal, I think, uh, they'll be fine with that. Um, I think, I think really, 
most of these running backs probably have a spot next season. Okay. You think Casey will still I think so. be around after the after the bone heals? Yeah, I don't think a broken collarbone affects like his ability to run the football. Sure. So, and he's he was an undrafted free agent, I think. If not, he was like a super late draft pick. So, he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in that situation either. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see like Tevin Coleman being a cap casualty because his deal is a little bit uh, pricey. But also, outside of like Raheem Mostert, and even Raheem Mostert, like it doesn't really matter. Like what we know is that Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner are really good at identifying running back talent. Mm-hmm. So like even if we don't sign... If, even if we don't have any of those guys next season, like I'm confident in this staff's ability to go out and find running back talent. Because like Raheem Mostert was a guy nobody cared about. He'd been on like seven different teams. He was mostly a special teams guy. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't like a solidified, bona fide starter until he got to San Francisco. So, And when he's on the field... He's dynamic. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Right. The guy runs for like eight a carry. You'd think he was Alvin Kamara out there. But he's much faster. Yeah. <laughs> so so much faster. Like, you know how fast you got to be to outrun good pursuit angles? <laughs> like, safeties have good angles, and then just suddenly they don't anymore. I love when the league is like, here's the 10 like top speeds from running backs this season. And it's like three or four of the 10 are Raheem Mostert like, yeah. in limited games. <laughs> yeah, guy's unreal. Yeah. Excited to, to see him back. Uh, Whenever that may be. Like an old movie that I once saw. Uh, he's so fast. He make fast, fast people, people look, look not fast. fast. Absolutely. That's the one. The longest yard. Sh- shouts out. He broke in my nose. <laughs> what you think of uh, of the receivers this game? And by the receivers, I mean uh, Brandon Ayuk. Ooh. Brandon Ayuk's going to be a problem. Absolutely. A, he's special. A problem. Boy is special. Seven for 75 and a touchdown. Unbelievable with the rock in his hands. Unbelievable on the routes. Yeah, I was going to say, two sets of ankles broken. Those stats don't show up. Yeah, but please talk about that. We tracked him. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, at Everyday Niner. You should. Yeah, buddy. Um, I did. I was so hyped because I was like breaking down. I'm breaking down film for the first time. Like I'm really taking a look at plays. Um, and it was like the second play from scrimmage. Uh, it was just Brandon Ayuk on this little slant route. Right, and he's on Marshawn Lattimore um, on the left side. Right, he takes he takes his release. It's a free release. And in thinking about it now, anyway, wait, getting ahead of myself. So he he takes his release. He takes a free release. Right, he takes an outside step, and then immediately goes back inside on on the slant. And fucking Marshawn Lattimore is just on skates, bro. And in thinking about it, uh, from the look of it, what happened was Brandon takes that inside, that out, yeah, that outside step, and it looks like uh, Marshawn Lattimore tries to stick a hand out there and jam him. But Brandon I just like jukes it out, and so dude's just like whiffing on it. Yeah. Gets his ankles broken. Nick Mullins finds him in space, manages to put one right between the numbers. Easy. Easy. Um,. And then the second play doesn't get credited as a catch, which is criminal. Criminal. Um, but he gets the yards. 
Yeah. Huh? On PI? No, no, I'm saying I'm saying the team gets it was a is a pass interference. Yeah. So, the, so he still puts the team in a good position to for sure to score. But like it doesn't show up on the stats. Like officially, right. that's not, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because this time he was on the right side and it was uh versus Janoris Jenkins, Jack Rabbit. Um, and it's a vertical route, right? Uh, I think I takes another free release. I think defense they're gonna learn. You can't give this man a free release, or it's a, it's an issue. Yep. So I think he gets like like 10 yards down the field and he hits him with a little stutter and Janoris bites on it. Yep. Bites on it. And and he, and he just runs by him, right? And uh Janoris has to commit a PI to avoid a touchdown. Yep. Cuz like uh after that double move, Ayuk's got like two steps on him. So like if Janoris doesn't do something, that's an easy six. It won't show up in the stats. But that's that's Brandon Ayuk doing wide receiver one type things. He's everything that we thought he would be in this offense. Um, and to see him do it with the busted season, yeah, the quarterback changes, yeah, yeah, the guy's a stud for sure. I don't remember there was, I don't even remember what the play was, but he made some catch, and I was like, holy shit, did he catch that? Like it was one of those ones where Nick Mullins makes a terrible throw. He throws, he makes a bad decision, and throws it like into double coverage or some shit. And Brand, and he throws it low. It's like off target. Yeah. And, and Brandon I know what just, you're talking about. just makes some shit happen. And I'm like, my goodness. Speaking of throwing it low and away and having somebody come up and make something happen, Jordan Reed, Ew. catch of the year. Will we riot? Yeah, unbelievable. Listen, right? It it was like it reminded me of that Julian Edelman catch like in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. where it's just like the single blade of grass and like he gets his fingertips on it. Except this was a one-hander. He yeah. didn't he didn't he didn't two-hand catch that shit. He just Yeah, in real time you're like, "No." No. That's He just like scooped it up off the top of his shoe. Yeah. And just made some shit happen with it. Yeah, Jordan Reed uh was a was a smart move yes especially now yep like that george kittle is is missing extended time because uh jordan reed gives you like that same pass catching ability yeah like i would argue that he may be a better receiver than george kittle uh but he's not a more complete tight end which is like George Kittle is the best tight end in the league because he's the most complete tight end in the sure. league. Sure, yeah. Right, like he's a, he's a, he's a top five pass-catching tight end, and he's probably the best blocking tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's TE1. Like, people like to argue the Travis Kelseys of the world, but it's like, Travis Kelsey isn't a complete tight end. George Kittle is. Yep. So, anyway, ah, off topic. Yeah, Jordan Reed, amazing, fantastic. Um... I don't even know, like, in watching the play again on the film breakdown, I did notice that, like, that ball was probably as inaccurate as it was because uh, Nick Mullins's hand or arm was hit on release, so it wasn't, like, a clean follow-through. So, like, it's super impressive that Jordan Reed was able to scoop that up and make something happen. With yeah. It. I know uh, Grant Cohn had uh had tweeted something about like 
Brandon Ayuk being like having a fantastic game or whatever. And I, I commented and I was like, shit, Jordan Reed as well. Like put some respect on his name. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm happy that like in this loss there's still like so much good to talk about. Yeah. And I like that the good is mostly that like these young players are shining. And that's great. That's what you want to see. Right. Like if there is a bright spot, it's that the guys that you drafted, like, were the guys you thought they were going to be when you drafted them. Yeah. That's a plus. Yeah, going to the other side of the ball. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of storylines that you, you have to grab onto, one of which is Alvin Kamara. Well, the first one is the defense played its ass off. Sure. Like, yeah. if, if you didn't watch the game and— You just looked at the score— not even the score. Like, uh, if you can, you guy with a laptop, will you pull up the the Saints' offensive stats like as a team? Sure. Well, so um, they Drew Brees threw for seventy six yards. Right. Jameis Winston threw for sixty three. Right. So not a lot going there. Um, a few guys had uh had in the 50-ish range in rushing, Latavius Murray, 9 for 57, Taysom Hill, 8 for 45. Alvin Kamara, 8 for 15, but he gets the two touchdowns. Right. Um, Did most of his damage in the receiving game. He got 83 of those passing yards, which there weren't a lot of. He had more receiving yards than Drew Brees had passing yards. Right. So, like, if you would have told me that we would have held the Saints offense to what? Under 300 yards total offense? Yeah, I'll look that up real quick, but that sounds about right. Right. Like, I'd be like, oh, that's a dub then. Like like we said, you didn't have either one of the quarterbacks. I say either one because Taysom Hill isn't a quarterback. Um, you didn't have either one of those quarterbacks pass for 100 yards. And you didn't have any one rusher rush for 100 yards either. So... Like, if you brought that to me, I would be like, oh, shit, the 49ers won the game then. And somehow they did not. But that's because, like, everything systematically fell apart. Well, yeah, and all those short-yarded situations. I say, I mean, Alvin Kamara obviously gets the three touchdowns, but also um, he's a he's a dual threat, and he had, what, 100-ish yards right. total? And there were, like, two or three drives where the Saints started like deep in 49ers Absolutely. territory. Yeah, like those... They started on like the 25, 30 yard line. Yeah, special teams definitely did not put no put the team in a chance in a in a position to succeed. Right. Like the defense did their part all things considered. Uh but the offense and special teams just they they didn't hold up there into the bargain. Yeah, the the other the next storyline I was going to talk about was was the Drew Brees uh You already have the face that says, if you freaking talk about this, roughing the passer call. What roughing the passer? Absolutely. There was no roughing the passer. Unbelievable. God. Yeah, walk us us through what happened there. Um, I mean, nothing. Contavious Street Street makes a textbook (laughs) tackle and, and it's flagged. That's it. Could not have fallen more to the side. Right. Which is, which is difficult. I mean, you're putting, you're putting, this, this rule puts defenders in kind of an impossible spot that he still was able to meet like he he still right. 
like he still was able to follow the rules that you had established for how to tackle a quarterback, but yet he was flagged for improperly tackling a quarterback. And did you say that was his? That would have been his first career. Yeah, sack? Yeah, it would have been his first career mm. sack. Dirty, taken away on a bogus, dirty, roughing call, right? But like, get your weight up, Drew Brees. Like that's all I could think of. Like, that's the reason why Drew Brees got hurt. He's a little dude. He's diminutive. And he's kind of old. And Contavious Street is huge. Yeah. Like, Drew Brees is, like, maybe 200 pounds. Like, he may be, like, 215 or some shit. Right. And Contavious Street is a grown man out there. Like, it's just just a weight difference. Like, I I have a hat that I wear to work. And uh, it says, make football violent again. And, And it's shit like that. That's why I bought that damn hat. It's like there's there's nothing football wrong with that play. Yeah. Like I don't know what they expect defenders to do to get sacks. Right? Like from now on you're just going to have to like run into them and just shove them, I guess. Just uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So he ended up breaking like 5 ribs. And collapsing a lung. Yeah, he got his muffin cap peeled back <laughs> uh, on a totally routine play. Yeah, I think maybe that's a sign from the football guys that you need to hang it up. Yep, because like it in. there was there was nothing wrong with that tackle. Yeah, and you still got like mangled. <laughs> <laughs> like you you got mauled, bro. Yeah, like so he was out here uh, looking like Leonardo DiCaprio after he got attacked by that bear in the Revenant. Well, so. Th- <laughs> Don't do him like that. <laughs> we do have a lot of respect for Drew Brees. Absolutely. Like I've I've never heard somebody so passionately argue that Drew Brees is statistically the best quarterback of all time than Diamante. Right. And it's it like it's defensible. Like Drew Brees is like top three or top five in every passing category that there is. Yep. Except the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like He's in interceptions, no. Incompletions, no. But like attempts, completions, percentage, rating, yards, touchdowns, like that's all Drew Brees. But uh, we know that uh, 49ers defenders are not allowed to tackle Drew Brees. Yeah. We learned that some years ago um, with Ahmad Brooks. <laughs> Where he performed that Quan Chi fatality. You know the one, the head stretch, the neck stretch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that gif is still like pure gold. Whoever did it, like they edited Drew Brees' neck all yeah. long in the post game. Like that's the one. But we learned then you can't hit Drew Brees. And and it, it reared its ugly head uh versus uh in this last game. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that he's top three or five in all the all the categories, but the bad ones because Jameis Winston, <laughs> Mister Thirty for Thirty, famous Jameis, uh, had had no answer for the the Forty ers defense. All of sixty three yards on six attempts or uh, ten attempts, six completions, no touchdowns, no interceptions. I think he kind of, yeah. Um, sh- shout out uh, Oscar Aparicio, Better Rivals podcast. Um. As soon as Jameis Winston came in, he tweeted and he was like, Jameis Winston is in. Which means that like the interception chance goes up like 4,800%. Yeah. 
And then Jameis Winston immediately throws the ball directly at Jimmy Ward, who doesn't catch it. Bro, what are you doing? Yeah. That is a freebie. You got to get that. Mm -hmm. So, like, that should have been an interception. But it was not. But we know how Jameis is. He's he's reckless with the football. And I think I think before they gave Jameis the the nod, they gave Taysom Hill some snaps. And Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. I do not. I will never understand Taysom Hill. I know that that NFL commentators love him. They love talking about him. He's thrown 18 passes in his life. They run the same play every time they snap him the ball. He does like a little draw every time, and you know it's coming every time. I hate to see the guy pick up yards. I mean, he was eight for 45, so he averaged like five and a half a carry on the same play every time. These aren't scramble drills. These are he he takes the ball in like the shotgun, and he just runs forward, maybe a little to the left, maybe a little to the right, but it's the same play. It's like, why are you even... Why is you might as well play this like a goal line stand on defense? He's not throwing the ball. He's terrified of throwing the ball. Sean Payton is terrified of Taysom Hill throwing the ball. He's, I mean, his his actual like position is tight end, right? I don't, I don't fucking know. I think he's listed as a tight end. Couple of things. Um, I just it blows my mind <laughs> that he has success in the running game. It doesn't make sense. He's not going to throw the ball. Taysom Hill is probably the most overrated player in the NFL. I would 100% agree. Yes. You would think that he was like the second coming of somebody who never came a first time based on what how how national broadcasts speak of him. Right. I, I think that's because <laughs> he's also by far the most athletic white dude in the NFL. Okay. And I think all of these like old white broadcasters just go bonkers for that shit (laughs) (laughs) like they're just like this guy is our champion all right he we are out here living vicariously through Taysom hill i was trying to think of who else would even be in that conversation for the most athletic white dude in the nfl yeah like christian mccaffrey yeah end of list (laughs) probably yeah right but it's just like Taysom Hill is kind of an anomaly because, like, yeah, he doesn't really have a position. Yeah. So, like, you know, you get your your Chris Collins. Well, here's a guy. Here's a guy that can do it all. True. But he doesn't do any of it at a high level. He's, like, supremely athletic. And he can run. And he can pass. And he is big. But, like, he doesn't really have a home. And... I, I can't even definitively say he can pass because he never passes. He can he can throw the ball far. It's better than putting the hand putting the ball in the hands of any other tight end and having them throw the ball. Right. But like that's a pretty low bar to clear. Absolutely. Right. Like would I rather have Taysom Hill throw the ball or George Kittle throw the ball? Probably Taysom Hill. Probably. But would you rather have Taysom Hill throw the ball or an actual quarterback throw the ball? I'd rather have Jameis throw the ball. Facts. Like, for better or worse, Jameis is a quarterback. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't a Taysom Hill podcast. Let's move on. Yeah, man. I did not. I wasn't <laughs> anticipating going on a, a Taysom Hill hatred rant. But we went in. Yeah. 
but we went there. Anything else about this game that... Um, yeah, this was a good game. This was a building block game. Sure. Uh, for Javon Kinlaw, who got his first NFL sack. Mm-hmm. And his first NFL half sack. So, uh, shouts out to Javon Kinlaw. It wasn't a dominant performance. He's had better games. But it was nice to see him finally get home and get that first sack. So, like, it's a building block game. This is where, like, you know, you go, okay, see, I can do this. Yeah. And hopefully, like, this is sort of that launching point and he can put together a couple of more solid performances and build on it. Also, we spent some time going in on Taysom Hill. Now, I have to spend some time getting some justice for the big homie, Eric Armstead. You feel me? Absolutely. Right. Because I'm seeing people... On Twitter, looking at you, Grant Cohn, among others, like just dragging Eric Armstead. Like, this is the guy that we let DeForest Buckner go for. Like, you know, he's not worth all this money that we paid him. He's garbage, blah, 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 blah. Yo, like, y'all need to chill for one. And for two, pay attention to football, would you? Like, I was watching this game, and then I watched on the Game Pass watching the tape. Eric Armstead is a three technique. All right? What that means is he's typically lined up to like the outside shoulder of a guard. He's not right over the center. So he's like either immediately to the right or left of a guard. All right? The only time he was a defensive end was in college where they ran a 3-4, right? So if you think defensive ends, like Justin Smith was a defensive end for the 49ers when we ran a 3-4. So not really an end, right? Because in a 3-4, your ends are, are linebackers. Yep. Ahmad Brooks, Alton yeah. Smith. I'm a Ravens fan. Right, you know. <laughs> it's just whichever linebacker you Breaking it in. down for the folks at home who maybe aren't familiar. Sure. Right. But we don't run a 3-4. We run a 4-3. And for all but, I think, two snaps for Eric Armstead that I saw, he's playing defensive end and not his natural three-technique spot. So, for one, you're asking the guy to play out of position. And they're doing that because he's a fantastic run defender. Yeah. He's an elite run defender. One of the better run defenders in the league, right? So on base situations... They've got him out there on the edge to defend the run. It's not pretty, but it's gritty. Doesn't show up in the stat sheets, but it affects the game. For one. All right. For two, they paid Eric Armstead the biggest compliment that you can pay a defensive lineman. Two things, okay? You game plan to take him out of the game. Yeah. That's a compliment if you're a defensive lineman. If they say, no, this is the guy we got to stop because he'll wreck our shit otherwise. Which makes sense. He's the best player on this defensive line right now. All right? Like, if if you're an offensive coach and you say, okay, we've got to stop one of these guys. Who do you stop? Kerry Hyder? No. Jordan Willis? No. Javon Kenlaw? No, because he's raw and he's young. He's talented, but he's raw and he's young. 
So if you're looking for a guy that you have to game plan for on that D-line, it's Eric Armstead. Yeah. Right. And then they did that. They avoided him. I was watching the tape. And um, they were either trapping, running away from, or using like quick passes to throw the ball away from Eric Armstead all the time. Like very rarely did they run at him. And very rarely in like pass protection was he one-on-one with a tackle. And if he was one-on-one with a tackle, it's because he was on... Uh, like the quarterback's right, but they were throwing a screen pass to the left. Like they threw the quick game away from Eric Armstead because they know he has the ability to blow up screens. So like, it wasn't it 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 wasn't a dominant performance by Eric Armstead, but like put some respect on his name. Like yeah, that's this that's because sh- they specifically game planned to take him out of the game. Yeah, and that doesn't show up on the stats, right? But it's what you want. Like, as a defensive lineman, if you know that offenses are trying to avoid you, like, that's a good feeling. Yeah. So, free the big homie. I'm not here for the slander. I'm not here for it. Anything else before we move on? Let me see. Let me think. Let me think. Yeah. Actually, I wanted to talk about that fourth down play. That fourth and one. Yeah. The one where Jarek McKinnon gets hit in the backfield. Yep. Right? I want to I wanna clear up some of that. I don't fault Jarek McKinnon on that play. I don't even necessarily fault Kyle Shanahan. At first I did. But in in retrospect, we, we know, like, what I can criticize is, like, Everybody in the world knows that we're about to do an inside run on fourth and short. Yeah. And that's a problem. If you're supposed to be an offensive guru, you got to be more creative than that on fourth and one. However, what you don't see on that play is that the right guard, who I think is rookie Colton McKivitz, takes a false step, right? So... At the snap, I th- I'm i pretty sure all of the offensive linemen take a step to their right because it's an inside zone. They're just trying to get uh, to block whoever's immediately to their right. But Colton McKivitz, the right guard, takes that first step to the left and it dicks up the whole blocking scheme. Jarek McKinnon gets met in the backfield. That's what we see. We go, what the fuck? Jarek McKinnon doesn't have it. Kyle Shanahan, what a dumb decision. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I was looking at that play again, and if McKivitz takes that step to his right and completes his blocking assignment, that yard is there. The play doesn't break down, and you're good for that one yard. So that was... I was... uh, I was talking to somebody on Twitter and that's what I said like so much of so much of what happens on a play is dependent on shit that you don't see that isn't included in the visuals of the play cuz like like I said right there what you see is Jarek McKinnon getting met in the backfield for a 3-yard loss but what you don't see is a first-year offensive lineman totally fucking up his assignment and busting the play right so 
uh, I think that's an important thing to see. Like you need to, you need to focus on the why and not the what. Yeah. All right. I think I'm good. Solid. Because, uh, I bet if you knew what was coming next, you'd just keep talking about the game. It's Kirk's Corner. Yeah, actually, I've got something else I want to say. I bet you do, but it's too late. Damn. Kirk's Corner, where I get to talk about Kirk Cousins for one minute or less. And unfortunately, we have to listen to it. Absolutely. Uh, This is just for Tina, who... uh, Loves Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. I, I'm I not even by my microphone no more. Yep. I don't even, I'm not even engaged. Do what you got to do. I mean, it's been a couple weeks. Mm. 19 to 13, primetime Kirk is no more because primetime Kirk sucked. But he gets the dub to take the Vikings to 4 and 5. He goes 25 for 36, 292, two touchdowns and an interception. Eight for 135 for Justin Jefferson. If that guy wins rookie of the year, he can thank Kirk Cousins because he is absolutely dialing in on him. A couple touchdowns to Adam Thielen. I know I've been shaky this year on Kirk Cousins because he's been shaky. But he's gotten some some good wins. He beat the Packers. He beat the Bears. He's finding an identity on this offense, and I'm here for it. And that concludes Kirk's corner. And he's back. Look at that. Are you done? The, the second it's over. Am I finished or am hey, I is done? Is you finished or is you done? Both. All right. Uh, actually, there was one more thing that I was thinking about. Oh, while, there really was one more thing. Well, uh, this was while I was dissociating while you were talking about Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. Um, I understand. I think I saw Kyle Shanahan like learning as a play caller because what uh, I remember rewatching the game and taking notes and i was like shit i was pleasantly surprised at how many times we passed the ball on first down i know there had been some criticism of kyle shanahan in the past because like it was a predictable like run on first down run on second down pass on third down type offense and um I remember, like, I was watching, it was, I was seeing, like, I was writing down plays, and I was, like, Mullins to whoever. It's like, oh, shit, this is first and ten. Like, we're passing on first down. <laughs> yeah. And it was especially surprising when his quarterback isn't in place. Like, you're doing this with a backup quarterback. You're like, no, we're going to go out there and sling it on first down. So, uh, shouts out to Kyle Shanahan for that. I'm not sure if it was Kyle Shanahan being like, shit, we got to change it up and not be so predictable on first down. Or if it was, like, I have three running backs right now. <laughs> like I can't afford to, I can't afford to run these guys into the ground. This is all we've got moving forward. Either way, uh, in this scenario, I'm okay with making the right move for the wrong reasons. Okay, let's move on. All right. We're going to throw it around the, uh, around the division. Uh, we usually don't record on Fridays. We usually record on Thursdays, yeah. but I got a new toilet yesterday, so I had to had to sit around and wait for a plumber to do his job. Uh, but that put us in. That, that, I'm that, not. That is. <laughs> it took a long there's time. somebody right now still waiting on Mario to show up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, somebody's never getting a new toilet. Absolutely. It's been like 35 years. Anyway, that usually wouldn't matter. But this week, there was an interdivisional matchup on Thursday. So we have to talk about 
two games each for two of these teams. Let's start with the Cardinals and the Bills for last week, this this past week's uh, game. Uh, now yeah. kind of famous for the Hale Murray. Yeah. So they beat uh, a pretty good Bills team, mm-hmm. 32 to 30. Uh, Kyler Murray, surprisingly, in a 32-point game, that was his only touchdown. 245, a touchdown and interception. He throws a touchdown on the last play of the game. Good for him, though. That was that was that was a dope play. Yeah, quite a throw. Even better catch. And <laughs> I don't know if you saw like the amount of money that it's led to for like Jordan Brand. I did not because you know you, you the the like iconic photo now like right there on the glove. Yeah. of DeAndre Hopkins, the Air Jordan. So yeah, but if in case you forgot that DeAndre Hopkins is good at football, seven. Why for, would you forget that? Yeah, seven like, for 127 and a touchdown. Dude is on the short list of best receivers in the league. Uh, the, oh, actually, I I saw. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, that he just broke uh, teammate Larry Fitzgerald's record for being the youngest receiver to ever hit 700 receptions. Pretty good at football. Yeah, and and a lot of that's because of like the insane target share that he's soaked up in his fairly young career. Deservedly so. Yeah, in Houston, I mean, that that team kind of ran through. Absolutely, DeAndre Hopkins uh, for good reason. De- DeAndre Hopkins was a uh, Huey Lewis, and the rest of the Texans were the news. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are those guys? Absolutely, we don't know. Uh, the Seahawks. And the Rams had a divisional matchup, and the Rams freaking won. The Rams team that the 49ers backups beat uh, fairly handedly were Yay. able to take down the Seahawks team, limit the Seahawks to 16 points. It was 23 to 16. Russ had no touchdowns, two interceptions. Not what they want to see. Uh, DK Metcalf, there was a lot. Uh, in, in last night's game, there was a, a lot of noise about how unhappy DK was because he had two catches. It's like, bro, those games are going to happen. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, you're on a team that's in first in, in your division. You're having a career year. Yeah. In this case, DK stands for don't cry. <laughs> With interesting spelling. They, they let Jared Goff go uh, 302 yards in the air. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. Uh, Malcolm Brown, two touchdowns on the ground. Daryl Henderson, uh, one on the ground. Not a lot more to say. However, last night we had the Seahawks-Cardinals matchup. And uh, I definitely fell asleep before it was over. So I didn't I w- watch a minute of it. I was <laughs> at work the whole time. I woke so. up to a 28-21 to final score, seahawks Come out ahead. Basically, whoever won that game was going to be in first in the division. Right. The Seahawks, I believe, were on a, th- a three-game skid, right? A two-game skid? I don't Something know. Something like I think that. it was a three-game skid. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray, 269 yards in the air and two touchdowns. Uh, five for 15 on the ground, so pretty limited. Uh, not a lot going for the, for the Cardinals on the ground. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, fairly limited. Five for 51. Larry Fitzgerald going eight for 62 to lead the way. Uh, Russ gets two touchdowns, one to Lockett, one to DK Metcalf. It was a pretty scramble drill, too. I was watching that. Uh, Yeah, just one of those situations where it's like just 
get the hell open, and he ended up uh, making a break for the corner of the end zone, and Russ just heaved it. It was nice. Um, I think it was Javi of the Fourth and Gold podcast who tweeted out. He said, "How do you watch this game?" And not want an upgrade at the quarterback position. Sure. Like you see what these two young guys are are able. Well, Russ isn't exactly young anymore. But you see what these guys are able to do. In our division, no less. Yeah. Like how can you not go, this is what we need to do moving forward. Get us a guy like that. Yeah. I I was watching with my wife. And uh, earlier in the drive, I think Russell Wilson had had tried to scramble. And it it was uh, unsuccessful. Tried to pick up a few yards. And... uh, was kind of ugly, and I was like, you know, we're Ravens fans, so I was like, there's a, there's the difference between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson is Lamar's Lamar's heading for the end zone on that play, and then he throws that pass later in the drive, and I was like, and there's the other difference. Uh, Lamar couldn't make that play to save his life. <laughs> Facts. Uh, actually, I was at the Shoal household, and we watched the Ravens game. Oh, we don't have to talk about that. We're talking about we're talking about some other stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how you feel? I mean, you know, <laughs> monsoon game. Whole defensive line is injured and getting gashed. They play the Titans this week. I'm not. I think they'll probably lose. If you're gonna make, yeah. if you're like a betting man, and or you you play fantasy football and have Derrick Henry, and you're like the Ravens defense is good, he's probably gonna run for over 120 yards. Put put the Put that in the bank. So my question is, what are the Ravens going to do at center? That was the biggest thing that I saw in the game. Like, my boy fucked up pretty much every snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not to get too deep into the Ravens. Yeah, but, uh, not too deep. But, but like, yeah, Matt's... if I'm going to be disappointed, God, God damn it, if I have to listen to you talk about Kirk Cousins, we're we going to press you about this Ravens there Absolutely. real quick. Absolutely. Uh, I do think they're making a change at center. I think they're moving... Uh, Bradley Bozeman over, mm-hmm. who's already a part of the line, but he uh, he has some he has some experience at center. Uh, I think he got called upon last year. I think Skura missed some some time last year, and so I think they'll move Bozeman over and hope for the best. I know Skura, he had a cut on his hand a couple weeks ago, and he hasn't been the same since then. I think he's just like it changed his mechanics or something. Plus, a, a very wet game. I mean, by the end of that game, that last drive. For the Ravens, it was. I mean, you couldn't even see on the broadcast what yeah. the hell was happening. Absolution. Was, you was, could you could hear the rain hitting the microphones on the cameras. Oh yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like it. Right. So uh, uh, he, it, for 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 our 49ers fans out there, it was it was a lot like that game we played versus Washington last year, where it was just like straight up downpour. It was like the the Nick Bosa slip and slide sack celebration. It was that kind of game. Yeah, it felt like whatever God is in charge of of the rain was a Patriots fan because it happened right as the 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 Ravens final drive started. It was I mean it was raining the whole game, but the torrential like biblical stuff was was safe for the end. Yeah. Yeah, I and a lot of those those defensive injuries are going to carry into this week, so I think the Titans are probably going to eke one out, which sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, if 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 you put if you put money on that sort of thing, put your money. Yeah, in. slam it. You heard it here first. And if you win a bunch of money, don't forget who told you. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Seahawks Cardinals. Uh, you know who the, the Seahawks leading rusher was? Carlos Hyde, I'm betting. It was Carlos Hyde. 14, 14 for 79 in the touchdown. Fuck him. Added a couple It only took him this long to learn how to be an NFL running back. 
I mean, he's in the he's probably in the early winter of his career. Right. He's he's a journeyman at like, this point. Dude, this what's today? <laughs> November the twentieth of This is the November twentieth of Carlos Hyde's career. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's not there's not much year left. Sure. Anyway. Yeah, uh fuck him. But they get the win. So the division now looks like this. The Seahawks in first 7-3 and 0. The Rams right behind them at 6 and 3. The Cardinals at 6 and 4 and the 49ers at 4 and 6 and the Rams are playing the Buccaneers this week. They could could probably go either way. Yeah, really either way. So no no uh no 49ers game to talk about which is good because we just had a rash of players hit the covid list yes eric armstead i know uh javon kenlaw and also ronis grasu another center i don't even know who the fuck we're gonna have to play center ronis was like our four string center to begin with yeah so like if those guys can't clear protocol by game day, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Which protocol on. is... It should be passed by then. I think the... I sure hope so. The real issue is is that sometimes you come off of it and you feel like garbage for weeks. Right. But... I I'm, would imagine they'll still play, but then you're you're questioning right. the level of play that you can get as someone who ha- feels like they have to lay down uh, just walking across a room. To be honest, for this season, that's fine. Like I don't, I don't think we really have playoff hopes moving forward. Okay. So if there was like a time where players were gonna like be exhausted and play like garbage, this is the one. Like if we were trying to make a run, like if this was a playoff push or something, I'd be hella disappointed. But where this team is right now, I'm okay with that. So I'm gonna read you. I'm gonna read you a few things actually. First, I'm gonna start with the remainder of the schedule. Okay. And I want you to take the most like pragmatic view. Okay. Take off the 49ers hat that you're not wearing. Not wearing, which is a surprise. Yeah. You, you knew this segment was coming. Well, actually, I plan on like working out right after I leave here. So I didn't want to like wear a bunch of gear that I didn't want to get sweaty in. Sure. So anyway. So I'm going to read you the remainder of the schedule and I want you to tell me whether you think it's going to be a win or a loss. Bet. So we have the bye. That's a dub. <laughs> yeah, it really it feels like one. Anytime we don't sustain injuries, <laughs> that's a dub. Sure. It's dub in spirit. Uh week twelve against the Rams in Los Angeles. We've already snuck a win away. Yeah. I think that one could go either way. Uh I think it'll depend on who we get back. I think that'll be huge. Yeah. Like I think um there's potential to get Richard Sherman back. And Raheem Mostert back. And if we get both of those two back, it's probably a win. Yeah. Uh, and the they're playing a physical Bucks team this week, so we'll see what the Rams look like coming out of that yeah. game. But if we don't get either of those guys back, it's probably an L. Monday Night Football Week 13, Buffalo. I'm, I'm pissed about this game. This was oh, the game yeah. that I had a ticket to. Yep. This is That, that game is December 7th? It is. Which is the day before my birthday. It sure is. So I was going to be out there celebrating my 29th birthday at my first 49ers home game, but then COVID got in the way. Yeah. So I'm a little bit salty. But that being said, 
I, I don't think that's a dub. I think that's probably an L. The Bills are a very good football team. They are. And this roster is not very good. The now, Bills give up a lot on the ground. Now, 49ers at full strength, that's different. 49ers playing third stringers at damn near every position on the field, probably going to take an L this week. I think if the Colonel's playing, I think Mostert could, could give them some problems because we've yeah. seen this Bills team struggle against the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll be uh, mercifully close. Yeah. But, yeah, feels like a loss. Yeah, if it, Buffalo's just too good and we're just too banged up right now yeah. to, like, for me to confidently say, yeah, that should be competitive. However, the following Sunday for Week 14 Here we versus go. WFT, which stands for the, the Washington football team. With, presumably, Alex, Alex Smith, Smith under center. Yeah. Um, which we're happy about. I'm so happy for Alex Smith. What a guy. Like What I, a journey. Fuck what everybody else is saying, if you're saying any differently. That's the comeback player of the year. 100%. Like, somebody said, like, there's been this Ben Roethlisberger campaign, and I'm like, Ben Roethlisberger. For what? He recovered from beating his own meat, bro. <laughs> like, that's that's not a, not a comeback. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Anyway, that was good. And I I I've seen the Steelers play. I've watched one full game of the Steelers this year is against the Ravens. They won. It was it was BS for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. He looked terrible. Right. He was just throwing PI balls, hoping for the best. Mm. Alex Smith almost died. Yeah. Alex Smith almost lost his leg and died. Both of those things. Almost lost his leg and then almost died because he went septic. And now he's starting. Like they were like, we may have to cut your fucking leg off, bro. And now he's starting in NFL games, right? Like to put it in perspective, I I I know you guys have seen the Blind Side, right? And they mm-hmm. the the intro is that hit on Joe Theismann. Yep. And they said he never played another down of football. Right. Alex Smith sustained that same hit and that same injury and almost died afterwards. And damn near died. And now he's out here starting games again. So, yeah, comeback play of the year. I'm Shout so happy. Out. Do we think that the Niners win that game? We should. I agree. But I don't know. Because, like, I, I think people are sleeping on Washington's defense. That yeah. front seven is nasty. And their backfield is really good, too. They uh... So, like, I think that this defensive front could give the 49ers offense problems. Yeah. Especially with, like subpar interior offensive line play, subpar pass protection from the running backs, and having to start Nick Mullins. Like, I that's a recipe for disaster. So, like, I could see a game in which, like, Washington's defense takes over and Washington's offense does just enough to win. I'd say it'll be a battle of the running backs. I, yeah. think, uh, I think it'll be... Assuming that Mostert's playing, Mostert will have a, a great game, but mm-hmm. so will Antonio Gibson and probably J.D. McKissick. He's been uh, Alex Smith's like go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, they love those those dump offs, and he's he's really dynamic with the ball. I think it'll be closer than you'd like, but I, I think, and low scoring. Uh, yeah, I think the 49ers uh, uh, eke that one out. Um, also, I look for Alex Smith to throw at least one interception. Yeah. Because, like, he's not mobile like he was before the injury for for all the sense in the world. Like, you couldn't imagine. 
Um, but like, I think, I think you could pressure Alex Smith into like just trying to get rid of the ball. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think linebackers and secondary players can take advantage of that. Yeah. Terry McLaurin is, is, is going to be a guy who's, yeah. who's hard to cover, but outside of that, it's really like yeah. a yeah. running back. Yeah. The following week, week 15 on the, on the 20th of December at Dallas. Yeah. When? Just because. Yeah, it's a dub. Yeah. Uh, that That's also that game that, like, I might, I keep telling myself I might buy tickets and go to. Okay. Because now nobody really wants to see either of those teams play, so tickets are really cheap. Ooh. And they're still letting, they're letting fans in in Dallas, unless something changes, because, you know, like, COVID is on the uptick yeah. again. It's a, it's a cool stadium. Ain't cool never city. been. I definitely, I ain't never been to Texas, so, uh. I, I keep thinking about it as like a guilty pleasure. Treat sure. yourself. But that's probably a dub for the 49ers. Yeah. I think I think no Dak. I think they still don't have Andy Dalton. They're playing like who the fuck ever. Um, this is a tale of two bad teams. And I, I like our coaching staff better than Dallas's coaching staff. And I think that'll make all the difference in the world. And then they close out the season with at Arizona and versus Seattle. Both teams will, I think, still be fighting for first in the division. Yeah, both of those teams. Like, Seattle is dipping off a little bit, but they're playing good football all together. And the Cardinals seem to be heating up. Because they, they just gave the Seahawks all they could handle. and yeah. just upset the Bills. So, I think those are going to be two tough games. And I wouldn't be surprised if we lose both of those. So, in your estimation, that puts the 49ers at like 7-9 and nine this season? Four and six, three and three, seven, yeah. seven, nine, yeah. seven, nine, six and ten. Yeah. Right in there. Which probably puts them in the draft right around that 10 pick. Yeah. Probably. Right in there. 10 early teens. Yeah. Something like that. And at, at 10 early teens, that means you've missed out on the quarterback lottery for the most part. Unless you make a move. Sure. Yep, that's where and, I was going to go with that. I was going to say, and what we do know is, like, the 49ers are not afraid to make a move in the draft to get their guy. Yeah. So, like... The question is, does Kyle see his guy? I think maybe he does. All right. Um, I know people have, like, taken that that quote from Kyle Shanahan and, and used it several times, talking about Kyle expecting Jimmy to be the starter in 2021. But uh, two very important things. Like I've seen people say, like, what the fuck else do you expect him to say? Right? Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, actually. He's not Adam Gase. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who like, would just tell you that he doesn't like Le'Veon Bell. He's like, nah, actually, hmm, probably not. Right? And, like, sure, you can be like, he expects him to be the starter. But, like, if you're a coach and you're absolutely 100% certain that the quarterback is your guy, you say it. Like, uh, the opposite is true for that. You can't go on the mic and say, yeah, this guy isn't our guy. We're going to be looking to move on next season, right? But as a coach, if a guy is your guy, you can absolutely go on the mic and say, no, this is our guy. Like, we are with Jimmy Garoppolo. He will be our guy in the future. Yeah. And he didn't say that. Yeah. He said, you know, oh, I expect him to be our starter. And, uh, you know, it'd be we, we can't make decisions on the future of these guys right now, which is telling, which is telling. You signed him to a big deal. 
you built an out into his contract after the third year, and this is the end of the third year. And now you're saying, oh, we don't know. We can't make decisions about the future, blah, blah, blah. Read between the lines, folks. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think if the front office sees their guy in the draft, I don't think they'll hesitate to go get him, especially because we've seen Kyle be so frustrated with some of these, like, you can see, like, Jimmy Garoppolo or more recently Nick Mullins, like, miss a pass that's drawn up, and you can see Kyle just, like, freaking out on the sidelines, like, fuck, what do I have to do? So I think if they see their guy, they'll go get him. And then the other list I wanted to bring you before we uh, before we sign off, I want to I want to read you a couple of guys who potentially could use this bye week as a as a final rest before a return, yeah. um, and you know some some longer term injuries, some that we just saw uh, get tweaked in this last game. But uh, so I I'd say anyone on the COVID list probably back. Probably. Unless, yeah, unless something goes terribly wrong. Yeah, unless they're hurting, they're tired, they're sluggish, they're not able to. Because I know people who've had coronavirus who are absolutely like, I feel like I need to lay down on the floor right now, like True. all the time. But for uh, weeks. those people also are not world-class athletes. Sure. So there's there's a bit of variance, but yeah, from what I understand, like it'll eat your lunch if you let it. Um, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Do we think he'll be back? He's think, got the, the high ankle sprain from week six. I think so. I think if I think if he's cleared like to practice and play, he'll be back. Yeah. The timetable fits. Yeah. Uh Tevin Coleman. That, Coming off the knee injury. I th- I think so. I think these running backs still try to have go just out of the necessity of it, because like and you could throw Jeff Wilson in there too. Right. Like we're legit running out of bodies. Yeah. So I think if if anything, like they'll try to bring them all back and then they'll just like rotate them uh heavily. Uh Debo. Is that a high ankle too? Uh hamstring. Ham. He's hamstring. missed three now. Hamstrings are finicky. Yeah. But um I'd feel I'd feel okay about having him come back after the bye. And then lastly, Richard Sherman. He had the the calf injury from week one. I'm afraid it's becoming chronic. Like it, it's going to be something that he's going to deal with for the rest of his career. Sure. Which probably won't be that much longer based on. Right. It's This is also the November 20th of his career. If not later. Right. It might be Christmas time. He'll um, be a guy who will definitely find a job in or around football after football. Oh, I think like if he doesn't become like a coach, he goes directly into the booth after this. Yeah. He'd be a great, like Steve Smith style analyst. Yeah. Cause he's a smart dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to see like, I mean, not even like Steve Smith type. I think he'd be more of a Tony Romo type. Like it would be so cool to have like Richard Sherman break sure breaking down defenses like Tony Romo does on offense. Yeah, It'd be fucking I, dope. I think the comparison to Steve Smith was attitude. Yeah, <laughs> like like this guy will say, like there are things that that a lot of broadcasters won't say that Steve Smith will say. Right, does not care for sure. And I think that's that's a defining trait of Richard Sherman is that 
He doesn't hold back. Absolutely. But yeah, I also like, I think he'll take like a much more cerebral approach. To, oh, absolutely. To being in the booth. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I don't know. I don't, as weird as it sounds, I don't know if we need Richard Sherman to come back right now. Yeah. I'm not sure like, whether it's the best thing for either party. Right. Like the corners are fine. Like, yeah. They're not out here getting abused. And there's no, there's no reason to rush back right. for him. Jason, Jason Barrett's playing uh, fantastic football. Yeah. And Emmanuel Mosley is is fine. So, like, if Sherm needed more time to rest, I don't think that's a problem. Where do you think he'll be next year? I think he'll either be in San Francisco or he'll retire. Okay. I think he's he's smart enough and the organization is smart enough to negotiate a deal. Like, if he still wants to play ball. But, like, if he thinks maybe it's time to hang it up, then I think that's that. Yeah. Right. I don't think he wants to leave like the West Coast. I don't think he wants to go to Seattle. He likes the 49ers organization. The organization likes him. The fans like him. So at this point, like he's made his money. He's got his rings. So now like I think he's just playing football like in the best place he can play. And the Bay is a pretty good place to be like Tell the fine people where they can find us, both in podcast form and on Twitter. Uh, as far as podcasts go, I think you can find us everywhere, dude. Absolutely. Uh, I know, like, <laughs> uh, as prideful as it may sound, I know I always listen back to our podcasts after after I upload them. Yeah, same. And uh, so I know we're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Spotify, I know. Um, so yeah, just wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah. If you found us via Twitter link, whatever podcast, because I'm definitely dropping links like every episode. Absolutely. But you can find us wherever you're comfortable with, wherever you like to, to gather all your podcasts. Right. I don't give a damn where you listen. Just listen. And what's that Twitter account? Uh, I should be at everyday niner. I believe that's me. And I am at. Adjacent, adjacent niner niner hit us up with whatever for sure we love it i do interact absolutely he the, does the, the the like game the follow game the retweet game the comment game especially the gifts i'm all in the gifts he really is facts and i'd like to end i saved our fun question for the end because it felt like a good place to end both with the state of the world with the state of our lives what song or song title best encapsulates where you're at right now? Whether it be mood, your place in life, how you're feeling. That's a good one. All right. And yeah, this I understand this is harder because like you've listened to a million songs. Oh god. You're a you're a lover of music. I I, I definitely am that. Um I would say for me it's a mix of take this job and shove it and that song from jaws uh show me the way to go home uh because i'm tired and i want to go to bed (laughs) that's totally fair Um, i just gave up caffeine and so i've been yawning my way through this not because i'm bored because i'm titillated by the subject matter i am just tired all the time (laughs) yeah uh jeremy works more than pretty much anybody i know um 
Shit. <laughs> wow. I I finally stumped him. Well, not quite. <laughs> but um he's wearing a TLC shirt that is so dope. Yeah. yeah. I think you should share a picture of this. My novelty T game is very strong. Yeah. So uh there's that. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm automatically thinking like John Mayer because that's my favorite musician. Sure. Argue with a wall. Uh I don't care. Um I'm thinking like very age of worry ish. Which like That's an excellent answer. Have you you know it? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So yeah, I don't I don't have to explain that really. Uh but for those of you who never heard it, if if you might listen to John Mayer type music, listen to The Age of Worry. It's such a good song, especially right now. I love it. That was the album uh Born and Raised. Yeah. It's that's one like top five ever. Absolutely. Like I fuck with every song. I think I do too. That whole album. Um I I wanted to end on on a note. I had alluded to some personal stuff in my life, which is why we didn't like record last week, right? And it was because I woke up last Wednesday, I think. And immediately like I I opened my eyes and the first thing I thought was, yeah, I'm depressed. I had been feeling this way for some weeks. And I was just like, I just felt kind of off. And I was like, I was disconnected. Like, I didn't really care about much. I didn't really have much motivation to do anything. And I was just like, oh, I'm just working long hours. I'm, you know, I'm just in the grind, blah, blah, blah. But I woke up that day. I was like, no, I'm depressed. That's what this is. And for me, what that means is something is missing in my life. Something that's very essential to my well-being. Something is missing. I'm not doing it. And I have to take time to figure out what that is and attack it, right? So uh, I had to postpone the podcast because that's what I was doing. I was trying to figure out what was missing and I was trying to address it. So I wanted to take this time to tell like anybody out there that it's so, so, so okay to do things like that. 100%. Right? Like figure out what's missing. Do what you got to do to help. Don't be afraid or too prideful to ask for help. And don't be afraid or too prideful to lean on the people close to you, right? Just, yeah, do take care of yourself. That is, that's the main message I have. Like, pay attention to yourself. Take care of yourself. And if you haven't heard from friends in a while, reach out. Absolutely. Because everyone is in a place that kind of sucks right now. And it affects everyone differently. And even if it's not affecting you to, to, an extent that it's messing with your, you know, how you would perceive your mental well-being could be happening to some of your best friends without you even knowing it. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I know like what, what that meant for me was, uh, I started getting up earlier, like not laying around so much. Like I was sleeping too much, spending too much time in bed. Uh, I started like working out on the regular again. I started working out outside again, getting out in the sunlight every day which is helpful. I just like, I got back into a productive routine and not just wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep, repeat. Yeah. So like whatever is necessary 
for you to be at your best. Make sure like you're identifying it and doing it. I think that's it. Appreciate the word. That'll do it for our podcast. I think as you so eloquently said a couple weeks ago, take care of yourselves and each other. And each other. Go listen to Walt Grace on that Born and Raised album because oh, it's... That it, was the other one. So good. That was the other one. The only song that's like almost made me cry. Whew. It's close. And we will catch you later, Faithful. Boom. Boom.